This is Season 5, Episode 11 of Beyond the Illusion. Thanks for joining us. I hope you're all doing well. In this episode, we have a conversation with Tina Zion. Yes, that means it was Tim, Tina, and Tiana. Tina has written several books on healing, and her latest one is titled Be Your Own Medical Intuitive, Healing Your Body and Soul which is actually the third book in a series of medical intuitive books she's written. Tina teaches people her techniques and also provides sessions for people as well. It's obvious she has a vast amount of knowledge and decades of experience in this area. I thoroughly enjoyed her book and actually tried most of the exercises in the book myself. In fact, I decided to share some of those experiences with you right now in a short recording that I did with Tiana. This recording was done after the podcast was recorded, but I'm happy to share it with you right now. Well, there were some things in the book that I, um, you know, that I actually did try. There were there were more things that I didn't talk about in during the conversation, but I feel like I should have brought them up. Because, oh, I want to hear. Tell me about the things that you tried. Well, like one of the first exercises she tells you to try is like just close your eyes and like see if you can picture your guides. Whatever comes into your mind, write it down or, or describe it. So I closed my eyes and I first thing I could see was, and I've seen this person before, like a blue person. They're like really tall and they're not human. I say person, but it's like a being. They don't ever say anything. They're just there. And then also there were some other beings that came and they were more like light beings. And then one of them had like a robe. And that was the one. That one is the one that I get all my guidance from, I think. And so Wow, that, that's cool. Yeah, it was interesting. It was really interesting. But I'm still like there's this mysterious blue character that's there in the background. And I just don't know what to think of that one. I think maybe like that's another, like it's me. Like that's another me or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know. That's it's the feeling I get. But then she also goes on and she talks about how people can pick up on deceased beings, like deceased mm-hmm. people. If you feel like there is a deceased person around you, that there probably is. And you should just ask them like, hey, is there something you need? <laughs> or like, <laughs> can <laughs> I help you? What do you want you? <laughs> from me? <laughs> she doesn't say that, but that's kind of what she says. And so... Uh, she's talking about it and I'm like, you know, there's always this noise in my kitchen and we're not, and it's, no one's ever in there when, when this happens, like I can hear pots banging around or sometimes it sounds like my door handle is jiggling and it's, it's happened so often. We're just like, Oh, that's happening again. And everyone in my house knows that, right? Like it's, and it's always in the kitchen. It's never anywhere else. So I was sitting there reading that book and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see. I'm just going to see if this is somebody's here. And sure enough, like the first thing that pops into my mind is this, is this woman and she has like blonde hair and she's like an older woman, but, oh, and she seems like really sad. And I was like, oh, Mm. maybe this is, maybe someone's here. Maybe this woman is really here. And I, and I, so I asked her like, okay, is there a reason you're here? And she said, yes, I lived in this house before you did with my kids. And she had like, apparently like three or four boys she said that she she loved her time here with her kids and that she doesn't want to leave like she misses being around her little kids and they're all grown up and they're gone now right but she like really is clinging to that 
And I don't know if you remember this, but I feel that all the time, like really powerfully. Like I feel that same feeling. And I thought it was me. Like, and I still do think it partially is me, but I feel like she's actually tapping into that in me. Mm-hmm. And I really feel that super strongly about Lumi. Like I feel really sad that she's growing up and that she is um, not a baby anymore, you know? So I feel like, and she, she even kind of like confirmed that. Like, yeah, you're, you're feeling what I'm feeling. And that's why she's connected to me is because I have that really same emotional connection. She's amplifying it or something. And then I was like, okay, it's okay. I understand. I really do understand what you're feeling because I do, because <laughs> I feel the same exact way. And I can feel what you're feeling. Like I'm feeling your feelings. And then I said, it, I think it's time for you to leave though. And Tina's book tells you like, here's what you do when to help them move on. And I did those things. The white robe person <laughs> showed up. And they're like, okay, I can help here. Let's go. And he takes her. And then she's gone. And wow. so Yeah. And so I'm wondering, like, I wonder if she really is gone. So I haven't heard any noises, but <laughs> I'll see. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a, another one. Yeah, that's so cool how much, you know, you got out of applying the practices from her book. Yeah, it was so effective. It just worked. Yeah, and you did that. You just trusted it, and that's so important. Mm-hmm. And so everything you know came through, and you didn't talk yourself out of it. Wow, that's amazing, Tim. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty great, and uh, I kind of needed that. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was good for me. It really was. Yeah, it's definitely a gift for us, for mm-hmm. sure. The podcast and the people that you know that reach out to us to be guests, and then it turns out, like you're saying, like, oh, this is exactly what we needed, right? So we've we're actually manifesting with these people to come and mirror back to us what we need to hear or pay attention to. So it is a gift for us. And but I really I appreciate how you applied it. I was like, like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that later. <laughs> later when I have time, right? But you're just like, yeah. no, let me just apply it right now. And I think that's important. Yeah, it is. So those were some of the experiences I had while reading Tina's book, but it wasn't all of them. I had a few more experiences, and I do share another one during this conversation with Tina. But let's go to that conversation with Tina Zion, Tiana Roser, and myself, Tim Howe. Tina, I'm so excited to have you on. It's our fifth season on the podcast, and yet you're our first medical intuitive. I can't believe that we've never had a medical intuitive on before, but I think it's so exciting to have you on and because you have so much experience, but perhaps uh, you, we could start off by just giving a definition of what medical intuition is for people that might not know. Hmm. Oh, I love doing that. Well, it's more than uh, a simple intuitive uh, reading or an intuitive session that literally it is receiving information about the individual and their mind health, you know, and their thoughts, their physical health, their emotional health. So it's very encompassing of many, many, many things. And then I really what people keep telling me I'm known for is I take every medical intuitive session into some sort of healing. 
And by healing, I identify that as a release of some burden in, in some way. There's a release of a burden. It's a, a, a reading, a giving of information, but it's also putting something into action to help that person um, benefit in some way. I love that part of your book where you know you describe healing as having two parts. One is what you just said, right, is like a release of some burden. And then the other one is having some positive effect. Or, or is, is there a better way to word that? What, what is the other part of that? Well, a, a release of a burden, you know, because healing doesn't always mean uh, stopping death or anything like that, because if it's our time, then we don't, aren't able to stop it. But my goodness, we are so capable of healing. And I especially teach other people how to do this. See, I don't do that for them. I give them steps to actually bring a change uh, into their own body, their mind, their emotions. Yeah, I really resonate with your approach in that way. It's so, you know, your book, it, how, you know, to become your own medical intuitive, it's so empowering in that whole perspective that we can all do that for ourselves. I think it's is so needed right now on the planet for us to step into our empowerment and connect more spiritually to our gifts so that we can do that for ourselves. Yes, because a lot of people feel so strongly that intuitives uh, and medical intuitives have some sort of a gift or some sort of a special ability. And I'm doing my darndest to get around the the world that, no, we're all wired to do this. We're all wired to receive information from the world around us, but also about our own being. And so, you know, that's my goal is to help everybody become their own empowerment is really my goal. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say so on that along that lines, you know, because I'm I'm a Reiki oh. master, and uh, that's one of the things I'm like, oh man, if if just kids could learn this at school, <laughs> it would be so wonderful. Do you think you know the practices that you teach could be taught to kids, or have you ever taught them to kids? Oh my goodness, yes. In fact, uh, my own grandkids are an example that when they were smaller. We would go into um, my closet and turn off all the lights and close the door, and I would have them uh, call out for their angel. Kids are so quick. They're so fast, and they don't get in their own way. See, as we get older, we're more critical. You know, we think, oh, it's just our imagination. But kids, oh, my goodness. And then they would describe to me what their angel looked like and And I said, okay, well, let's ask your angel questions and stuff like that. And then other people, my clients, my adult clients are teaching their children too. So I hear stories about their children. Reiki in school would be, oh my goodness, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to take just a little step back because um, in your book, what I liked about it, especially in the beginning, was you kind of break down what intuition is. And then you break down like a process for people on how they can kind of tap into their own intuition. And I'm wondering if you might be able to kind of give people right now a little overview of exactly what you think intuition is and 
how the best way for them to get started tapping into their own intuition is. Oh, thank you for asking that. If everyone, all your listeners could understand intuition is not magical, mystical stuff. It is truly uh, the ability of noticing information that's uh, around us every minute of the day. There's intuitive signals coming from everywhere. And it's simply, a lot of times I say, I really only help people to notice the very, very subtle And so I ask people to notice, you know, the subtle information that's coming uh, from everywhere around us. It can come. I have a good example of a woman. She was driving her car and she asked, she said, is do I really have uh, um, intuitive guides? Do I really have a medical intuitive specialist just for me? And she said a a bright pink truck pulled uh, into the traffic in front of her. And on the back of it, it says, we are here for you. And it's things like that, that the information is everywhere. So it's simply a matter of noticing and noticing it as information and not some magical thing because we're all wired to receive it and we're all interconnected in the world around us. So Please notice it as information would be the absolute first thing that I would say. And also take the pop. See, when she asked that question and the truck immediately uh, pulled in front of her, which was fine, and there was that message and she realized it was a signal. She realized it was a piece of information, even though it was on a bright pink truck and it's, it's everywhere. So I would really want your listeners to really understand that and begin to just notice don't work at it just notice how it arrives yeah i love that when you say in your book you know that pop um that it's like that first thought that comes into your mind sometimes like it's it's that it's like it's noticing that and and i love that because we've all had that you know we all have this this thought that comes out of nowhere seemingly And many times it is a message, you know, if you really think about it, it's like, oh, wow, wow, that's amazing. Just to continue on about the pop, the reason I say that, and I bring this up in every time I can talk to someone about this, is when something pops out of nowhere, the key to accepting that is an absolute truth, which is what I do. If it pops in out of nowhere, I receive it as an absolute truth without question, because the instant it pops in, it is the, will always be the clearest piece of information. The next second will be our thoughts getting in the way, our intellect getting in the way. But see, if it pops in out of nowhere, like you said, then I always take that as an absolute truth, because anything after that you know, our intellect is trying to figure things out. It's trying to sort things out, but uh, always take the pop. Right. So you have been doing this kind of work for a while now, apparently, and you even have several books that you've written. And I'm just kind of wondering, when did you first start noticing that you could do this or, or this ability was available to you in your life? I grew up 
in an, a family that expected all the kids to be intuitive and they expected you to be a medium too. So I grew up in, uh, in a family that was just normal. We didn't have a class or anything like that, but we uh, had an environment that was very, very normal. When one of our deceased family members would show up, we'd call each other and, and tell everybody, you know, what our deceased members said and things like that. So it was very, very normal. But that doesn't mean we have a gift. It just means we we are very comfortable with the physical and the non-physical realms, you know, coming together. Now, when the medical intuitive part began, was very spontaneous, and I was much older. I was already in my own private practice, and I was doing Reiki sessions, a lot of Reiki sessions uh, every week, and just spontaneously, I real I thought, what am I perceiving in my mind's eye? And it was a body organ inside of my client, and I could see the organ like it was a photograph. It was even more clear than an X-ray. And it was spontaneous. And that's why I actually wrote one of the Reiki books that I have, Reiki and your intuition, because I find more and more that Reiki is a door opener to intuitive uh, awareness. But that's really how it started. Uh, mediumship and, and general intuition was very, very natural. And I was very lucky to have that environment, but nobody thought any of us had a gift. And believe me, we don't have a gift, a gift at all. We just had a normalization of it. Yeah. Again, going back to like, just imagining, imagining this world where, yeah, we're expected to learn how to read and we're expected to learn math and that's normal. And so we all do. And so what if we, you know, created this world that you were raised in, uh, in your family, you know, where that, yeah, this is just another one of those abilities that we develop as we socialize and grow up. That would be incredible. It would be it. And it is. But, you know, as a child, I didn't think anything about it. Not at all. Grandma Marie would come, my deceased grandmother, she'd come in and uh, my family would say, well, did she have her leopard skin boots on today? You know, <laughs> so, so uh, it was it was just uh, a regular uh, everyday experience. But I think that's why I'm so uh, happy to teach that to people, because I also want them to become very comfortable with the non-physical world, because it's just as alive as we are. Do you think that as a planet, we're going through a collective spiritual awakening or shift? Because my experience with my clients is that so, so many of my clients are having these abilities kind of activate that they, like you were talking about, yes. communicating with deceased people. I've had so many clients lately, you know, because I do past life regression, I do spiritual type regressions. And so a lot of times, that might be a trigger for or a catalyst for why somebody comes and has one of these sessions is that one of their loved ones passed away. But yes. I've had so many clients now saying like, am I crazy? I can just hear them. I can communicate with them in my head. And I'm like, no, that's normal. <laughs> just like you're saying. But uh, what is your thought? Do you feel that that's something that's happening on the planet or it's just that we have more awareness about it now and so people are opening to it? 
Hmm. I've been teaching uh, intuition and medical intuition and Reiki for decades, I mean, decades now. And I am now the busiest I have ever been because it's just what you say, that people are thinking, oh, wait a minute, I'm noticing this. Well, I want to understand that. And even physicians to really talk about the medical intuitive part, I have many, many physicians from all backgrounds, uh, nurses from all backgrounds that are coming to either my uh, workshops or my uh, mentoring, private mentoring sessions. And they're saying, I I just know these things about my patient. I want to do this even more. And she's, she said, and, and he said, I know things before I even open the chart. And so see the medical, I say even Western medicine is opening up to this. I can't tell you how many physicians and nurses, physical therapists, uh, respiratory therapists that I have coming for this training. Isn't that something? Yeah, it's amazing. So speaking of like physical ailments and even mental ailments that people have, mm-hmm. what what do you find is, you know, the cause of most of these issues that people are coming to you for? What I teach and also what I write in, in my books is really I study myself and take a lot of notes And I just start writing a book about what I notice. And what I began to notice was that most causes of a physical illness or a mental illness would tend to fall. What I noticed is they tend to go into what I call eight categories causing illness or or even just general life struggles. And uh, the categories I put thought and emotion uh, into one category because they're so interlinked. I have one cause is just the physical body because it needs vitamins, it needs nourishment, you know, protein and all that kind of stuff. So this the physical body needs is a category. Uh, I have past life trauma. I noticed current life trauma, relationships. Uh, what else? Our ancestors and also the non-physical world. So I kept finding that when people are struggling in some way, that the cause of that tended to fall into one of those categories. Yeah, one of the things that I really liked in your book, you had these like diagrams of the body and how thoughts and emotions affect different parts of the body, which is super uh, useful you know, if, if you're noticing that you're always having an issue, you know, with a certain part of your body and kind of being able to connect what thoughts and emotions, what are some of the like most common ones that you see that are prevalent? It's interesting that thoughts and emotions, especially if they're negative, become they're very, very heavy electricity because every thought, every sentence, every phrase that we have either out loud or in our mind is just an electrical spurt of energy. And when we have heavy thoughts or, or negative thoughts, they tend to have more density because the vibration is real slow like that. And so it becomes physical more quickly. So a good example would be a lot of people have trouble with the back of their necks, the side of their necks and their shoulders that entire area. 
is always about carrying the responsibility of, of burdens and especially burdens and responsibilities tend to and tend to go there. And if you think about a lot of the phrases in our language is talking about the body-mind connection. Oh, he's got the weight of the world on his back. Oh, I feel like, you know, she stabbed me in the back when she said those words. And people don't know that they're talking about the body-mind and emotional connection. But that's a really good example. Um, a lot of people have trouble being constipated or diarrhea, and especially constipation and in the colon is always about holding on to real old, old, unresolved moments in their life or, or painful moments in their past somewhere. You know, so I could go on and on about body parts and, and emotions, but I, I think maybe those are two good examples. Yeah, I find that absolutely fascinating because uh, there have been times in my life where I had like knee pain or hip pain and someone told me like the the reason behind that and it made perfect sense at that time, you know, I, I don't have yes, it anymore, yes. but yeah. Yes, I, yes. I, yeah, I've had, I've experienced that myself, but you know, there were, there were several times in your book where I, I just want to kind of tell this story where you described like an interaction that you had with your clients. And, and I love that because the book is full of that. Like you have all these different little scenarios that you went through with several clients and um, just to kind of, you know, sh display your point, I guess. And uh, the one that kind of stood out to me for whatever reason was there was a person who had their jaw was like really, they, they had a problem with their jaw and it was like clenching up and they couldn't open their mouth and there was, you know, some resolution that came to that through working with you. It kind of actually inspired me to look into uh, what was I was I'm having some struggles in my work right now. And I wondered, like, hey, maybe maybe I can take this advice here and I can kind of find the root issue, because that's what this person did with their jaw was they went to the root issue and they figured out, like, how they were going to heal themselves. Right. And yeah. so um, I thought, well, okay, I'm, I'm having, you know, struggles with my work right now. So let me see if I can get some information here. And uh, it was so, so odd because I, I said that to myself, like, okay, I, you have like a command, like you give this command and you say like, please tell me now, like where, where this issue comes from. And all of a sudden I, I had this little story come into my head where I was a little boy and I feel like this was a long time ago, like maybe not even this lifetime and I was like playing in a forest. Like I wandered off and pl was playing in the woods somewhere by myself. And then I noticed like, okay, it's getting late. So I need to come back. And so I, you know, went back to home and everyone was like really panicked. Like they were freaking out, like, like, like I had been lost, but I wasn't mm -hmm. lost. And so they, they projected that onto me. Like you got lost. We can't trust you. You are not to be trusted ever again. And so I spent the rest of my life like wanting to go into the woods because I loved it there. And I never was able to again because I had this idea like I can't trust myself. And then I said, oh, my God, <laughs> my struggles at work are because I don't trust myself. Like I really don't have this deep trust in myself and my decisions. 
And so it was really eye-opening that I was like, wow, this, this actually can happen for people. You can come to these you know, realizations through just asking. Now, some people would think that was just your imagination or it was just a coincidence because this, these kinds of things happen all the time, but people tend to just blow it off when, in fact, you put out that question and the story just popped out of nowhere. See, there's the pop again. It just popped out of nowhere and it made so much sense to you, didn't it? Oh, yeah. It, it made perfect sense. Yes. Well, and what I would ask you to do, and maybe you did it with my book, is to do the steps. And even if it was in a past life, because that is where uh, one category of cause is, and to actually do the healing steps for that traumatic moment in your past life. It'll make a difference. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that that wonderful example. But it, see, it was a really example of you put the question out and in popped the answer. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. That trust piece is such a big part of it, right? Like you're saying, like people, we get these this information coming in, but we're not trusting it. And so, you know, Tim, you just you trusted it, which is really powerful. Do you have any suggestions for how people? Do we just learn to trust by either choosing, I'm going to just choose to trust, or through repeat, I guess both, maybe repeated experiences, the more we keep, like, what would happen if I just trusted this? I don't know. How do we build that trust muscle for our intuition? Well, I would say, you know, there's a reason for us not to trust everything, or uh, there's also a reason to not trust everybody also. But the, the primary way, in fact, people get back to me all the time, say this made all the difference in the world, was if it popped in out of nowhere, like in, in his example, like in Tim's example, then I, when I decided if it pops, I decided to, to take it as an absolute truth without question. And when I took it to that level, Oh my goodness, it made all the difference in the world. And so that that would be key for your listeners. Just notice the pop or notice if a pink truck pulls in front of you or whatever, whatever happens. And if it pops in out of nowhere, I do not question it. It's an absolute truth. And that will make all the difference. Because think about the energy and the emotion of truth that it, it's like it opens up a very smooth highway and you will start receiving even more intuitive signals and messages and direction than you ever have. That's wonderful. Yeah, I like your book because it's being your own medical intuitive. I would be a little nervous to try to do it for somebody else. I guess with more practice, people would, but how do you like... Are you ever concerned, like when you're doing it for somebody else, that what if your medical, if you're giving the medical information, what if that's, you know, not quite accurate or how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, we intuitives, whether it's medical intuition or general intuition, I ask people, don't interpret what you get. So if you are working with another person and it pops in, 
And I just, and it could be a visual, it could be in words, all kinds of ways or sensations that I would inform the, my client, because we're talking about doing this for other people. I would inform my client, but I would only say the words that I got or the image that I got. I don't put an interpretation on it because when we interpret, that's really what we think it means. It has nothing to do with what it means to them. An example of that, uh, when I was doing readings, a huge energetic snake came up the back of a woman and it uh, hovered above her head and the snake was looking at me because I was sitting in the same room with the client. And I did not say, oh, you have a giant uh, energy of snake coming up your spine. I did not mention it because that was many, many, many years ago. And I thought, oh, that's too weird to tell anybody. And do you know the next thing? And I didn't tell her. Do you know the very next thing out of that woman's mouth was, oh, Tina, I forgot to tell you that uh, snakes are so important to me. Well, see, I interpreted it as weird and creepy and stuff. I, but if I had just described it, she would know exactly what it meant. But see, I hadn't. And so, you know, if I tell her after the fact, I would lose my credibility. So I didn't tell her, but that was 30 years ago. But I think it's a good example. See, my interpretation was, oh, my God, there's a big snake. But see, it, it was fabulous. And it meant the, the rise of energy of the Kundalini to her. That's what I was thinking when you said the snake up the spine, exactly. but then I was like, oh, wait, I shouldn't interpret that. But that's the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. So don't interpret as one mm -hmm. of the main things I would tell your listeners. Yeah. Another thing you also talk about in your book quite a lot is uh, this toroidal field, this energy field. Can you kind of describe that for our listeners? Mm. Yeah, what started me noticing uh, the toroidal field is when somebody walks into a room and they're very charismatic and people notice them walking in and their eyes are sparkling and their skin glows, you know, and all that stuff, that how I saw their energy field was, was a rising up. And every time people I were described this way, their energy field always looked the way that I perceived it. So it's a rising up, upward through kind of like the soles of your feet and filling, filling, filling inside of every cell of the physical body until they're, uh, they're so bright, we're uh, like a light bulb. See, the light is really inside of the light bulb, but the beams shine outward. And so a human who's doing really well physically, mentally, and emotionally shines out like a light bulb. And then the light bulb shines also up into the heavens. And that's where we make our link with, with the matrix of all that there is. But then the, the universe gives back to us too and like rains down inside of our body and our energy field and then back up through the soles of our feet. So um, I got so excited. I didn't even know it was called the toroidal field. But I was on YouTube or something just messing around. And I found that uh, uh, the human toroidal field description and that scientists think the human field uh, runs this way. So it's a filling up 
and then a, a receiving downwards, an up and a down movement. And I, I could not believe my eyes on YouTube. See, there are no coincidences. And here, the scientists call it the human toroidal field. And I, what I thought was, oh, you got you, you're really bright people who are charismatic are uh, have a fabulous toroidal field. So I, I teach people how to run their toroidal field very, very deliberately because energy follows our thoughts. Our thoughts are energy, but energy will also follow our thinking. So I teach people how to deliberately run their energy, I call it, in the toroidal field. It's kind of a long explanation, but that's what I would tell you. That was really helpful. When I got to that part in the book, and then you talked about not creating this protective bubble, which is something that I've been doing. So I was like, oh, okay, it made sense with the toroidal explanation. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Because I think a lot of us do this protective bubble kind of thing and your explanation and how that connects to the toroidal field instead makes a lot of sense. Well, see, the toroidal field is the brightness of who we are shining outward. And when we do this deliberately, the energy will build and brighten and we become healthier and more vitality and things like that. What I noticed then over the years is people, some people, when I was doing readings, I couldn't get through this dark, sticky, kind of gray, gooey stuff. Here's what I would say. I would say you protect yourself a lot, don't you? You, you And you're putting a, uh, a ball around you or a glass thing around your crystal. And every time people go, oh, yes, I've protected myself for 20 years or something like that. And I said, but you usually do it when you're afraid, don't you? Oh, yes, I, I really only put the bubble around me when I'm afraid. I said, all that's building up is your fear. And I will tell them I can barely get through some people I couldn't even get through because what's really building up is the fear. See, because that's heavy and thick and gooey and and that kind of thing. So I beg people and I learned, you know, 30, 40 years ago, too, to put a thing around me for protection. But that actually is a burden. That's that heaviness of fear that we're carrying around then. And since I notice how when people are doing fabulously, they've got a toroidal field going on. And that's what makes the difference. And I thought, oh, I need to start teaching people about this. So it's really finding it on the internet and noticing charismatic people and what their energy field does, because I see auras and, and energy very naturally. So, and I want people to be able to do that for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So you talk about working with some guides and some specialist guides. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Mm. If Let's say if the three of us just uh, sat here right now and called out to the universe for help. Okay. And that's not very descriptive about who we really want to work with. If we, the three of us, just call it for help, uh, a deceased person of our neighbors might be floating by and they'll, <laughs> they'll go, oh, I could help you. Well, then you've got a messed up, you know, or confused or, or ill deceased person. And that is not a guide. 
So really what I teach in my books and workshops and things is what made profound differences for me and, and also my work. And what made a profound difference is I thought, now, wait a minute, I want to be very specific about who I'm willing to work with in the spirit world. And I thought, well, what words, because they're electrical signals, really narrow that down. And I uh, was, I came up with divine, sacred, and I always use those two words. And then sometimes uh, pure, so, and um, maybe blessed. So when I did that, um, some of my current guides actually left because they had, didn't reach that divine and sacred level. And that's fine. I let them go and dismiss them. Oh, my goodness. My abilities just skyrocketed when I knew who I was working with in the spirit world and knew that it was the highest level possible, the most advanced beings in the spirit world. I'm covered with goosebumps right now telling telling you and, and your listeners. As we continue to grow and evolve spiritually, um, could we perhaps also attract different guides along the way as we are shifting in our own abilities and our own awareness, or sometimes we graduating from one level of guide and then attracting in new ones? I would say the more we are aware and the more we're directing this. So see, uh, again, every word is an electrical spurt. So when I think or say out loud, divine and sacred guide, and I want a specialist too. So I always say divine and sacred guide who specializes in da, da, da. Then only, the universe has to respond in, in like energy. It has to respond. So the clearer that we are with the words, the universe will respond that way. So I, I want the most knowledgeable beings to assist me in my life. And oh my goodness, um, you know, really I teach the things that made a, really made a giant difference in my life. And then I saw it in my clients too. Before reading your book, I really kind of never thought of being that specific, you know, and I think it's probably uh-huh. very important to be specific because like you said, you don't, if you don't call out for exactly what you want, you know, they just kind of have to guess, I I think, and and you never know what you're going to get then. You never know. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Can you kind of describe for us, you know, what it was like for you along your journey, you know, through life and through like learning Reiki and then becoming a medical intuitive and all that? Where did it all begin for you? Well, as far as the healing part of it, I didn't even realize that healing was happening when I was started out uh, working intuitively and doing intuitive readings. And then, I, you know, like I said, spontaneously, I was looking inside of organs and things like that when I was doing Reiki. But I actually noticed that people kept leaving the the session they'd go out to the person at my front desk and they'd say i don't know what just happened but i feel a lot better and they would say that to my receptionist person out there 
And I was hearing that more and more. And then people would come back for more sessions and they say, I'm not the same anymore. I'm, I'm so much better. I thought, well, what the heck is happening? And so again, I studied myself and that really led to my advanced medical intuitive book because I thought, well, how is this happening? And then I realized I was giving them healing steps to do. I was only giving them the steps. I wasn't really doing very much of the healing. And especially because I work with divine and sacred, if anything, they were doing uh, the healing work on an energetic level. But um, that's how I would respond, you know, to that question is I didn't even realize that healings were going on, but I was getting all that feedback. What do you see as, I guess, the future or possible future or maybe even ideal future of how this could continue, how how our um, healing and our medical approaches could evolve um, if we start to accept this intuitive part of it? It will, I'm telling you, it will open up the gateways. In fact, my divine and sacreds keep saying this is spreading you know, my books and stuff are spreading around the globe. I keep hearing that spreading around the globe. And because again, it has very little to do with me. I just examined myself and wrote notes, lots of, you know, I put notes on little tiny pieces of paper and napkins in a restaurant and things like that. And I, and then, and I thought, I'm not really doing this. I'm just giving the steps. So my hope is that people will truly realize They are their own healer, their own best healer. And it's not, I'm not anti-Western medicine at all. I'm a registered nurse. It's the union of Western medicine and the union of the non-physical world is what's important. I hope people will hear that. It's not an either or, it's bringing the, the two together in harmony. And that truly the, the primary healer is ourselves. Yeah, definitely. So I'm kind of curious, you've dealt with a lot of people and and done healings for them. How does it work when somebody comes in and they're not that open to these ideas and they're kind of like what you call like a non-believer? How does it work for them? Does it, do they ever get healing through your methods or do they, you know, does that not work for them because they're not open? I would say a non-believer tends not to come to me for a session, first of all. But, you know, just in life, I'm around a lot of people who are very, very skeptical. And I say it's okay to be skeptical. We have an intellectual mind, uh, you know, to sort things out like that. So that's, I always tell people that's okay. But see, I, I try to give them some, like, like the three of us are doing right here, to normalize it. In fact, that's kind of where I'm going uh, next is to normalize the non-physical realm for people because most they're mostly terrified. Uh, and even some of my mentoring students, some of my clients uh, who are students, they're saying, well, I want to be a medical intuitive, but I don't want to see anything. And I said, well, I don't know if you're going to be able to limit it to that, but you know, it's okay to be skeptical uh, because just like everything else, there are a lot of people out there who are making things up. They call themselves intuitives, but 
you know, just like everything else, there are people who are very, very honest and, and very high energy, and there are people who are making things up. So be very discerning. I would ask people to be very discerning and listen to what your guts say. See, there's another one of our phrases we say in our in an, uh, English language anyway, is if, if you don't feel that someone is right, you know, in your guts, or if you just feel a heaviness with that person, don't go because you're getting signals, you're getting signals and pay attention to them. You know, that's something that I talk about when I'm teaching Reiki a lot too, how amazing it is or how helpful it is to develop, whether you call it listening to your gut or sensing and feeling energy. It's so necessary in the times that we're living in, which is this information overwhelm, right? There's so much information. And if we're just trying to use our logical mind to figure things out, like, oh, they went to Harvard Medical School or, you know, whatever, just this only this only that piece of information, but not also feeling or sensing like, is this the right fit for me, though? Is this the right person to work, you know, with me? Just all the ways that we have so much information coming in and having a hard time figuring out what to trust. And yet, if we would develop this natural ability, as as we're saying, to sense and feel and and listen to our intuition, it could really help us navigate uh, these times that we're in. And so hopefully that's, I I almost think that we have to, we have to do that because otherwise so many people are just shutting off just because of, you know, whether it's through social media or whether it's just through the internet, there's just so much information overload and confusion from different perspectives that it does come back to we have to find a way within ourselves to discern what's true for us that's all we need right we don't need to have the ultimate truth for everybody else but if we could just know what's true for us because we go within and we discern as you're saying then we'll all be in a much you know better place moving forward A lot of people think, oh, I can't do this because I'm already so busy and I don't have time. But what I'm what you're saying, here's what I would uh, respond, is that it takes a nanosecond, a split second, that when you have a piece of information, you just take a, a nanosecond and feel if it if it has an upward feeling or a heavy downward feeling. Start there at least start there because that's a signal if it's right or if it's wrong. If you're a yes is always, you know, an upward and a no will be a bit heavier and kind of a downward feeling. So at least start there. I would ask everyone to do that. It's a, it's a nanosecond. It doesn't take any more time. Oh, that's great advice. I would have never thought of that myself. Yeah. Thank you. Um, So yeah, I have a question about along those lines where, you know, you, you said you grew up in a home where it was perfectly acceptable to be intuitive and have these, you know, ideas come into your mind spontaneously and then trust them. So have you always, you know, had the same ability that you have now? Or do you feel like over time you gradually refined it and you got, you know, more and more intuitive as time went on? Do you feel like that happened for you? You know, no one's asked that question or made that comment 
because a lot of my students that have been working with me, you know, for quite a while now, some, some of them a couple, three years, they'll say, why aren't I doing this as good as you do, Tina? And I said, you have to realize the medical intuitive awareness that I just spontaneously began to receive during Reiki happened in 1991, for goodness sakes. I said, and I'll say, no, I was not so accurate. My books are just about what I've noticed lately, what has improved everything lately. So no, don't be hard on yourself as as you begin to notice your intuition. If anything, be playful about it. Oh, I would add one more thing too. Don't search for intuitive information. Don't search for it because that's working hard. That's more of our thinking mind getting in the way. If anything, just be a a receiver. Just receive. It's like noticing, oh, should I make that decision? And then notice what it feels like a yes or a no. It's just as simple as that. So no, the more you do this, the more accurate you will be. And the more you work with the divine and sacred, that will really escalate your abilities too. Know who you're working with in the spirit world. So good. Yeah, I love this conversation. Thank you so much, Tina. Actually, we're getting close to the time. It really flew by. So we just want to tell you, you know, thanks a lot for coming on and taking the time to talk with us. And if you could, please let our listeners know where they can find you. Do you have a website or anything like that? Yes, yes. And it's real easy to find my website. It's just my name tinazion.com. And so thank you very much. And hopefully I just describe what I do in the the classes that I teach in my books and things like that. And also uh, my email is on there too, so that people can just email me. Thank you so much. You gave really great examples and tools that people can start to apply right now and simplified it and made it very accessible to everyone. So I really appreciate that. I ask your listeners to put it into action. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Tina Zion for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing her gifts and knowledge with us. If you'd like to learn more about Tina and her services, You can find her online at tinazion.com. That's spelled T-I-N-A-Z-I-O-N. And before we go, I'd like to say thank you to Tiana Roser for all the work she does to keep this podcast going. I'd also like to thank Casey Henson for providing the music we use. For more information about us or to access past episodes, please visit our website, beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a rating for us. This will help other people find us. Take care. showed me what could be. I never knew my mind could expand in such a way that my inner demon could rise up from their grave.
Yeah.